Shabbat Shalom, everybody. It's good to be, good to be back from Sukkot. So we're going to do a topical study today, and um, I'm really excited about that. This is uh, something that has kind of vexed me for a long time, and quite honestly, over the past few months, we've done um, some teachings, got some pushback on that, but it's also enabled a lot of people to dig into the Word and come to some really great discoveries. Um, We did a teaching called The Synagogue of Satan, and um, this really exposed that the state of Israel is not biblical Israel, and that was really hard for some people to, to be able to see that because there's such a strong push for Christian Zionism and Messianic Zionism. Um, that, that was a really difficult for a lot of people to come to terms with. That the Temple Mount isn't, in fact, the Temple Mount. It's the Anatonia Roman Fortress. That the actual Temple Mount was further south in the city of David. And then the one that I think has really, really been a big, big stumbling block for so many. And the reason that I bring this up now is because we are in a religious, political time where I just am seeing so much coming to light that as we speak forth the truth, there is pushback, but it needs to come forth in this time when these um, globalists are really pulling the strings and so many people are blinded, blinded to the scriptures, blinded to historical truth, and um, they're they're led by their heartstrings, but it's not actually fact. Um, One of those things, again, that people have been led for so many years is thinking that the Ashkenazi are, in fact, descendants of Shem. And we've discovered that the Ashkenazi are, in fact, the synagogue of Satan. They're the descendants of Japheth. They're Turkic Mongols from the Khazarian region that converted to Judaism in the 6th and 7th century. These are the things that we've discovered over the past few months. Um, Those teachings came across in exposing the rotting stick of Israel and the synagogue of Satan that are in our archives. But then if I'm going to go forth and say, well, you know, those that say that they are Jews but are in fact not, but are the synagogue of Satan, and the Ashkenazi are in fact not Jews, they are sons of Gomer, Japheth, they're not even Shemites. Many people have come to me and said, well, who are the real Jews then? Where are the Jews and, and, and what's going on? I mean, we understand that we're, we're Joseph's multicolored coat and we're exiled into the nations. But if Yahweh is gathering the whole house of Israel, all 12 tribes, and the stranger that wants to graft in and join, then where are the tribes and what's going on? So I think it's really important to address this subject because, as I said, 92% of the people that say that they are Jews today are in fact Ashkenazi, sons of Gomer, so thereby are the synagogue of Satan they who say they are Jews and are not. So who are the real Jews. That's the question that has been posed to me many times over the past months. And there's really two answers to that question. And I'm going to be thorough today because I need to be thorough. Because when you speak about this, it's going to upset a lot of people. So we're going to have to take our time in the scripture. So bear with me. Two answers to that question. One, I already addressed in the rotting stick 
of false restoration and the synagogue of Satan teaching. And that is, who are the true Jews? Well, the Fehalim, the Fehalim, which is a term for the so-called Palestinians, the migrant farmers that never left the land of Israel in 70 of the Common Era when the Romans came in. They still were attached to the land. They were called the Fehalim, or what we call today the so-called Palestinians, are in fact the descendants of the poor agricultural Jewish society that stayed in the land, yet they converted to Islam in the 6th and 7th centuries to avoid paying the Islamic jizya tax Because if they had done that, they would have lost their land. And they were attached to the land, so therefore they converted to Islam so that they could stay in the land, working the soil that their forefathers worked. This is recognized in 1918 by the historians David Ben-Gurion, who of course was the future prime minister of Israel back then, and Yitzhak Ben-Zavi, the future president of Israel. Both of them historians recognize this fact. Today, of course, it's buried in your history books. But what about the affluent, regal Jews that weren't connected to the land? Because we've addressed who the poor migrant workers are, the Fehalim. But not everyone in the tribe of Judah was connected to the land. There was a royal, regal class that were merchants, that would travel throughout the empire and throughout Judea and throughout the Roman Empire as merchants. These were the regal, affluent Jews that weren't connected to the land, but they were engaged in trade and export. Who are they? And where did these royal, nomadic Jews migrate to? That's the question that I want to address today. Because we're going to be looking at and tracking the migration patterns and thus identifying the regal merchant class of the house of Judah. As opposed to who we've already identified, the poor migrant working class, which were the Fehalim, today's Palestinians. I can't stand it when the globalists, the society that tries to enslave us, names us. I'm not a Caucasian, okay? Because a Caucasian is an Asian from the Caucasus mountain region. The Russian steppes, Caucasian. I'm an Anglo-Saxon, which means a son of Isaac. So when they start to name you and you have to fill out these little boxes and the government hands you out these little and check what race you are, they're the ones telling you who you are. Don't buy it because I'm not Caucasian. Who's Caucasian? the Ashkenazi Khazars, the Turkic Mongols from the Russian steppes, the Caucasus Mountains. They are Caucasians. We've already explained that. But I'm an Anglo-Saxon. I grew up in England. I'm a son of Isaac. That's what it means. You see, so I'm not going to check those boxes because the New World Order, the globalists trying to enslave us, but we serve an Elohim, and the first commandment is... 
I am Yahweh your Elohim, who delivered you from slavery. That's the key. This whole political system right now is all about slavery. The globalists are slavers. And we, as Israel, have got to understand who our Elohim is. He is the one who delivers his people from slavery. And today, you are seeing more slavery by the politicians in this land. And it is truly, truly troubling. And I need to speak out on it because Yahweh is calling Israel back. He is calling his people back. But you've got to understand that slavery is what keeps you in Egypt. But when you can expose that, you can finally be set free and serve Yahuwah, the Elohim of Israel. So we're going to look and track now the migration patterns of the regal merchant class of the house of Judah. Because now we can see that the Caucasians are not pure white races, but a mixture of Asians that lived on the Russian steppes. Asians in the Caucasus Mountains, right? Caucasians, Ashkenazi Khazars. The Ashkenazi, they who say they are Jews and are not, are Caucasians, Khazarian Mongols. That's the truth, and you can check that box. They who say they are Jews and are not. But we're going to look into history. Even when you look at, say, a country like Ethiopia in Africa, and you dig into the history of Melech, Menelik I and Menelik II, you'll understand that they were descendants of King Solomon. Menelik meaning from the Melech, from Melech, from the king, from the king. But what about Egypt? What about Mitzrayim, Egypt? What about Egypt? The pharaohs were black. They weren't white. They were black. Egypt is Mitzrayim, and it means burnt face, burnt face, or black. The ancients referred to their country as Kemet, Kemet, which has been written in a variety of ways, Kemet, Kemit, Kem, Al-Kem, and it literally means the black land, or the land of the blacks, Mitzrayim. How did Moshe Rabbeinu go undetected for 40 years if he was a Caucasian in the land of the black faces? How did he go undetected for 40 years? How did Joseph's brothers not recognize him in the land of the black faces if he was a white man? Can you tell me that? Noah called his son Ham, Ham, in the Hebrew, Ham, Chet Mem Sofit, and it means hot, hot. Chemet and Ham are the same words in the Hebrew, which represented the coloring of the people of Mitzrayim, Egypt. What happens if something stays hot for a long time? It burns and turns black, right? So you start to look at the scriptures and you start to see that we serve an Elohim that 
delivers people from slavery, and then I get sick and tired of what's been going on in the run-up to these elections. And I, coming from England, where I just I see things so different in this country because I come from outside and come into it, and I see all the fermentation, and it really troubles me. But the scripture and historical truth is what will set us free. But democracy is designed to enslave you. It was invented by the Greeks, and we understand from the scriptures who was sold to the Greeks. Joel speaks about that. In Exodus chapter 2, Shemot chapter 2 verse 19, Moshe was described as a mitzri, a mitzri, which means a black face from the land of the blacks. They didn't say that he was a mitzri Laban, a mitzri Laban. What was Laban? Remember Laban? He was an albino, an albino. He was white, an albino. And you can see that in Africa today. There are albinos. But he would have been described, if he was white, as a mitri Laban. But he wasn't. Which would have meant he was an albino African. But he wasn't. Just like Yaakov's uncle was an albino. You see, the ancient Egyptians were a Kemetic people. They were black. In 1965, the former president of Egypt, Gamal Abdul Nasser, said he couldn't respect the present Jews in Israel because they left Israel black and they came back white because they were Caucasians when they returned, a Turkic Mongol Asians from the Caucasus Mountains, the Russian steppes. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 5. I am black but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. I am black. The Hebrew word there is shachar ha-anya. It literally translates to I am dark-skinned. Strong's number, and I don't use Strong's numbers very often, but there's going to be pushback. Strong's number 7838, Shachar, from Strong's number 7835, Dusky. So the word Shachar means Dusky. And if you look in the concise Oxford English Dictionary in the 10th edition, Dusky means darkish in color, euphemistic of a person black and dark-skinned. And in the Old English Dictionary, it says, tending to blackness. Song of Solomon's 5, verse 11. His head is as the most pure gold, meaning it's royal, it's regal, he's kingly, he's wearing a crown. His locks are curly and as black as raven. King Solomon, Melech Shlomo, was black. And only blacks have locks, not Caucasians, no matter what Rapunzel or what was the other one? Goldilocks would say, right? Look at Bathsheba in the Hebrew. Bet Tab Sheen Bet Ain, daughter of Sheba. 
She was the black daughter of Sheba, whose line goes back to Sheba, who was the son of Cush. Cush, who produced the Nilotic black races. Look at this, Bereshit, Genesis chapter 10, verse 6. And the sons of Ham, Cush, and Mitzrayim, and Prut, and Canaan, and the sons of Cush, Seba, Havila, Savta, Ramah, Savtecha, and the sons of Ramah, Sheba, and Dedan. And now you're going to say, well, if that's true of Solomon, what about Melech Dawid? What about King David? We know that he was an Anglo because he had ruddy skin, right? Isn't that what the scripture says? Of course. He was Caucasian. No. 1 Samuel 17, verse 42. And when the Plishtine looked out and saw David, Dawid, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and of fair countenance. And then you can just move on. But I just don't want to move on. Because when you look at the Hebrew, the Hebrew for ruddy is Adomi. Adomi, and it's spelled Aleph, Dalet, Mem, Nun, Yod. And it means reddish black, as in reddish black soil. The reddish black soil connected to the land. And if you don't believe that, Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, Bereshit 4:10. And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's dam, blood, cries out to me from the ground. So now here we've got the wordplay. Dam is blood. Adama is ground. Adomi is ruddy. We're talking mahogany in color. Reddish black. Malcolm X. What was his nickname? Red. Detroit Red. Why? Because he was ruddy in his appearance. He was called Detroit Red. He was mahogany ruddy in appearance. So we have to dig in further. Because if King David was an Ashkenazi, white Jew with a reddish complexion, he would have been described as Laban, an albino. But he wasn't. So King David looked more like Malcolm X than he did King Henry VIII, right? <laughs> but, I mean, the DVDs we give our children, right? Oh, my goodness, like you were saying. The Israelites have British accents, <laughs> right? My goodness, it's outrageous. But look at ancient Egypt hieroglyphics, and they are ruddy. The Egyptians have got ruddy black skin, mahogany skin, reddish black complexions. You see, one of King Solomon's sons was later taken to Ethiopia by the Queen of Sheba, whose son had descendants reigning in Ethiopia until when? Until the Ashkenazi, those who say they are Jews and are not, came in and dethroned Haile Selassie in 1974. And that's where we get the Rasta movement, of course, from Ethiopia. Because then, after they dethroned Haile Selassie 
1974, then who did they bring in in 1984 to get rid of any of those connected back to biblical Israel? Of course, they bring in Sir Bob Geldof a decade later with his live aid migration moving of people for the Ashkenazi communists and moves everybody from the plateaus into the live aid feeding camps underneath Ashkenazi communist control. We already spoke about that earlier at Sukkot. Even the Ethiopian Jews, they're called the Falashas, meaning those that are black. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 10. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshippers, the daughters, my dispersed ones. That's the queen of Sheba and her sons migrated and dispersed to Ethiopia. Lamentations chapter 4 verse 2. The precious sons of Zion are comparable to fine gold. Verse 8, their visage is blacker than coal. And the concise Oxford English Dictionary, the 10th edition, tells us that visage is a poetic literary of a person's face with reference to the form of their features. A person's facial expression is what? Blacker than coal. You start to connect the language, and you start to see. Bereshit, Genesis chapter 9, verse 27. We have got the Ashkenazi sons of Japheth that have infiltrated into the land and are what? They've got the whole world convinced. The whole world convinced that they are sons of Shem. But look what it says in Bereshit chapter 9, verse 27. It actually tells you that Yahweh, who is omnipotent, it is his will because he has actually deceived them into doing this. They are so deceived into doing this. Look at Genesis 9, 20, 27. Elohim will entice and deceive. The Hebrew word there is patah. Patah. He will deceive Japheth, Ashkenaz, the sons of Japheth, and he will dwell, that means Ashkenaz will dwell in the tents of the Shemites. Is that what's happening today? Has he deceived the Ashkenazi so much, those from the Russian steppes, the Caucasians, he's deceived them so much that they're actually dwelling in the place where the real Shemite should dwell? Genesis 9 verse 27 you see, Yahweh is the one that has deceived. He has enticed Japheth. Patah, deceived, enticed. He's de deceived and enticed the Ashkenazi Jews into believing that they're the Jews. And they've built the Zionist state of Israel today, which is occupying what? Our whole political platform. You don't know where the money is coming for Hillary Clinton? Where do you think it's coming from the Ashkenazi slavers? That's where the, all this political money is coming from. And you don't think it, it, it pay, it, it's important for us to know this right before the elections, what's going on. Because they're going to try and enslave people even more. And we have to be aware of it. 
Because what's happened is the Ashkenazi are in fact occupying the tents, the tents, excuse me, the tents of Shem, the real Shemites. Shem's not there. It's the Zionist occupiers that are there. Look at Job chapter 12, verse 18. The deceived and the deceiver are Yahuwah's. Because some people are going to get all upset because you said, well, Yahuwah deceived. He wouldn't deceive. Well, the scripture tells us that he does. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7. Yahuwah, you deceived me, and I was deceived. Because there's a riddle, right? And we all know the riddle. I love the riddle. I love to do the riddle on my children. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweet. Right? What is sweeter than honey, and what's stronger than a lion? And we know this from Shimshon, Samson, and Delilah. And she got hold of the riddle, did she not? Deceitfully. And Delilah made Shimshon Samson sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. You see, Samson was the first Rasta. He was a Negro lion fighter. Similar to the African Maasai tribe. Judges 14.5 and 16.19. You see, Samson tore a lion apart as he would a young goat. And as a Nazarite, he wore seven dreadlocks. He was mahogany in body color, just like Malcolm X. And his visage was blacker than coal. He was a Negro. Lamentations 4, 7, and 8. And this is really hard for people to see in Scripture. Because predominantly, it has been the Caucasians that have been in charge of the scriptures, right? For millennia, Lamentations 5.10, our skin was black like an oven. Job 30 verse 30, my skin is black upon me and my bones are burned with heat. Deuteronomy 26.28, excuse me, Deuteronomy 28 verse 68. And Yahweh shall bring you into Mitzrayim, Egypt, again with ships. And the way of which I said to you, you shall see it no more again. And there you shall be sold to your enemies for slaves and female slaves. And no man shall buy you. And that is what happened to the regal class of the house of Judah. And I want to give you a brief history. I won't go into it too much, but I can't just make that statement because there'll be people that will push back. But I want to give you a brief history on slavery. <laughs> I was just amazed, I've got to tell you. I mean, when you come to America and you talk to people about slavery, you can, you, you talk, you can talk to black people about slavery, white people about slavery, and, and they'll, they'll give you all this history on slavery and it only goes back to the 16th and the 17th century and you're like don't they teach you the history of slavery why ask the bloody question why are they only teaching you the history of slavery as far back as the 16th and the 17th century why are they only going that far back 
they don't want you to go farther back than that. Because then you'll actually find out the truth. But from the 16th and 17th century, we'll teach you about slavery. You've got to go further back. And you've got to understand and question, why did they do this without, throughout the whole of America, in all the public schools? Why do they only go back as far as the 16th and the 17th century to talk about slavery? We've got to go further back than that. Because Islam, Islam designed infernal slavery. And then the Ashkenazi Khazars, those who say they are Jews and are not, are the ones that marketed it. And the regal Negro nomads exiled from the kingdom of Judah were the main recipients of it at the hands of the indigenous black Africans. Because you've got to understand, the regal class of the house of Judah came down from Israel and they came into the land of the black Africans. And the black Africans resented the regal class of the house of Judah in their land because they had laws, they had customs, they had civility. And they were a regal class of Negro that came down into Africa. And later on, it was the Ashkenazi, the Islamic slave traders as well, that then worked together with the indigenous black Africans to enslave the regal house of Judah. This is what we've got to understand, but you've got to go back before the 16th century to understand the roots of it. So we're going to see, as we dig into this, where this slavery came from. Because it was really a system that was very, very well crafted. There was Islamic masters, and there were white Ashkenazi Khazar ship owners. There were the buyers and the sellers. And they're not going to fill you in on all of this, but really you've got a four-tier system. Number one. You have the Negro nomads that were exiled from the kingdom of Judah. Number two, you had indigenous black African hunters that resented the regal Negro nomads that had come into their territory with their own customs, with their own laws that were different and would not assimilate into their tribal culture. They were their own tribe. They were the regal house of Judah. Number three, you had Islamic trappers that worked with the indigenous black Africans to trap the regal Negro house of Judah. And then you had them sell them to the Ashkenazi ship merchants, along with many Portuguese and British Ashkenazi. You see, it's just like Al-Qaeda today. Or is it ISIS? Or, or is it ISIL? Or, or is it IS? I mean, right? Let's just change the name as much as possible to throw you all off so you really don't know what's going on. Let's keep switching the identity to hide the people. Why don't we just keep renaming you? Are you Negro? 
Oh, no, 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 you're not Negro. No, 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 you're colored. No, 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 no. You're not colored. You're African-American. And this is what they name you. The slavers name you this. Because I know a white guy who grew up in South Africa. And he now lives in America. He is an African-American. And more African-American than most. Do you see how African-American is a misnomer? It's a misnomer. Don't check that box. It's a title given to blacks by democratic slavers. Okay? Let's be real. They want you to check the box just like they want the Anglo-Saxon to check the Caucasian box. It's not true. So, again, we've got the four-tier system. Number one, we have the regal Negro nomadic class that are exiled from the kingdom of Judah. They are their own royal tribe in Africa. Then, number two, we have the native black African trackers. They're going to track them down. And number three, we have the Islamic trappers because between 650 of the common era and 1900 of the common era 10 to 20 million people were enslaved by the arab slave traders over 20 million enslaved africans were delivered through the trans-sahara route to the islamic world can you get your head around that that's not even touching the americas Over 80 million more blacks died at the hands of Islam en route. And number four, we have Ashkenazi Khazar Jewish ship merchants. And of course, the Portuguese and the British Ashkenazi were the main buyers. Islam and the Ashkenazi, those that say that they are Jews and are not, were the main sellers. Does that make sense? You've got to dig into this further. We have the two tiers right there. We have the Islamic trappers, and then we have the Ashkenazi ship merchants. You see, the Romans, they were globalist slavers. They were globalists then and now. They just migrated to Gaul, Ashkenazi, the sellers, and Britain, the British, of course, the buyers. German jury and British jury... Where have they gone to? Well, they've descended upon Wall Street, upon Hollywood, and Washington, D.C., as we see it right now, just to fuel this cataclysmic final war of globalism, which is none other than renaming colonialism. And this is the world that you and I live in. And I'm so sick and tired of these talking heads when it comes to the election time, trying to enslave everybody and cause racial division to try and get the votes. When ultimately, if Israel would just wake up to who's enslaving us, regardless of our skin color, he says what? I am Yahweh your Elohim that delivered you from slavery. We all need to get out from underneath this slavery system, and we need to come together as Joseph's multicolored Malkitzedic cloak. But we've got to help identify 
Who are our Jewish brothers? And where are our Jewish brothers as the whole house of Israel comes together? Because Islam and the Slavic regions, I mean, where do we get these names? Yugoslavia, of course, Czechoslovakia, Slovakia. These were all regions of bestial slavery that eventually arrived on the African continent. These were areas where Islam invented infernal slavery up in those Slavic regions that then eventually arrived on the African continent. And the black regal Negroes Negroes of Judah were the recipients of it. But not only black Judah, but Europeans were even kidnapped by the Arabs and the Ashkenazi traders during the war or peace periods in the medieval times. So, just to recap before we go further, because I don't want you to be confused, because it's of utmost importance, the real Shemites, the Fehalim, the rural farmers found in the land of Israel at the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century. What we call today the Palestinian Christians, Palestinians and other anti-Zionist, non-Ashkenazi, Torah-keeping Jews worldwide, just like the Yemenite Jews. And two, the real Shemites, the royal, regal, Negro nomads, exiled from the kingdom of Judah, African Shemites who were taken away in slave ships, Deuteronomy 28, verse 68, by the synagogue of Satan, the Caucasian white Ashkenazi Jews in the 17th and 18th century. Because Ashkenazi slaving, the history of it is outrageous. Let me read something to you. This is from the Ashkenazi Jew. Uh, He's a scholar, Jonathan Shoresh, and he says this. Jewish merchants routinely possessed enormous numbers of slaves temporarily before selling them off. If a slave auction fell on a Jewish holiday, it was postponed due to a lack of buyers and sellers. The Jews of Suriname gave their slave plantations Hebrew names, such as Machanaim, Nachamu, and Goshen. Rabbi Herbert Bloom adds that the Jew, that the slave trade was one of the most important Jewish activities. One of the most important Ashkenazi Jewish activities. In 1694... Jews owned 9,000 regal African nomadic Jews from the house of Judah. In 1694, they owned 9,000 enslaved from the house of Judah. Jewish slaving is confirmed in the Jewish encyclopedia. But you start talking about it. Again, you're digging into historical truth, not sacred history. So why does the American black history exist solely for the past 400 years, beginning in the 17th century? And all you hear about is, well, the transatlantic slave trade. But there's so much more than the transatlantic slave trade. You've got to go further back. 
I want to quote to you from, from Babylon to Timbuktu. It's a book by Rudolf R. Windsor. This is page 84. Quote, In the year 65 before the Common Era, the Roman armies under General Pompey captured Jerusalem. In 70 of the Common Era, General Vespian and his son Titus put an end to the Jewish state with great slaughter. During the period of the military governors of Palestine, many outrages and atrocities were committed against the residue of the people. During the period from Pompey to Julius, it has been estimated that over a million Jews fled into Africa, fleeing from Roman persecution and slavery. The slave markets were full of black Jewish slaves. Page 86. Many Jews fled to those parts of northwest Africa known as Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, and Moorish China. Many other Jews fled to areas where Rome didn't have any jurisdiction. This was the region to the south, the Sahara Desert and the Sudan. You see, in the 1930s, it was an established fact that the regal class of Negro nomads exiled from the kingdom of Judah, that they resided in Songhai, in Mali, in Ghana, in Kenem, in Bornu, in the empire, and within the Onadu forest of the Homi south of Timbuktu. Communities complete with Aramaic Torah scrolls. On page 90 from Babylon to Timbuktu, it says this. The black Jews had an advantage over the African tribes. Now, this is going to tell you why the native indigenous black Africans worked with Islam to trap the house of Judah and sell them to the Ashkenazi ship owners that were also Portuguese and British Ashkenazi ship owners. And they, that's the history we want to see. Why did this happen? Page 90. The black Jews had an advantage over the African tribes. They carried their culture. They carried their history, laws, and written records with them. This assured them a constant precedent for the development of a higher social organization. Because of the stability of the black Jewish culture, the Jews were not absorbed into the autochonous population. In fact, the Jews absorbed some of the native tribes. The Jews made use of every opportunity they were an industrious and skillful people. In the Jewish Ghanaian states were found kings, princes, governors, generals, secretaries, treasurers, revenue agents, judges, architects, engineers, doctors, historians, language interpreters, mathematicians, jewelers, sculptors, masons, carpenters, painters of art. 
goldsmiths, there were leather workers, potters, armorers, saddlers, blacksmiths, agriculturists. Do you think the indigenous blacks resented the regal, negro, nomadic class of the house of Judah? And do you think they wanted to get paid by Islam? And do you think Islam wanted to get paid by the Ashkenazi Jewish ship merchants? And then you get to your transatlantic slave movement. But don't start at the ships on the west coast of Africa. That's all you're going to get in your democratic American public re-education system. And it just troubles me. Even blacks in this country aren't educated enough to go further back. Do you know how many blacks in America have been lost to Islam? It's outrageous. That's not your tribe. Your tribe is Judah. Muhammad's tribe enslaved you. Why would you convert to Muhammad's tribe when you're of King David's tribe? Don't convert to the tribe that enslaved you and then sold you to Ashkenazi. Ship merchants. More black Negroes have been lost to Islam in the 20th century than any other believing, Bible-believing group. It's outrageous. Because they don't want you to know who you really are and what tribe you're from. But you're not from Muhammad's tribe. Never were. Never were. You are a regal Negro class from the royal house of Judah. It's outrageous to me. Islam is not the black man's religion. It's for those of the Banu Hasham clan of the Quraysh tribe. That's who it's for. It's not from the tribe of Judah. Never was, never will be. It was the, never the religion of the Negro nomads in Africa because they were exiled from the kingdom of Judah. In Joel chapter 3, verse 6, it talks about these indig indigenous black Africans in collusion with the Ashkenazi because they were selling the Negro house of Judah to the Greeks. And who did the Greeks? The Greeks, they invented democracy, didn't they? Didn't they just? You see, Africans weren't selling their own people. They were selling a tribe that had encroached Upon their land, a higher educated, regal class that had judges, coppersmiths, goldsmiths, and all of this, and they did not assimilate in. And they wanted their stuff, and they wanted to get paid by Islam, and Islam wanted to get paid by the Ashkenazi ship merchants. The Igbo tribe of Africa, they're Jewish. If you were to look, I mean, if you were to look, just look at old maps, old maps of the um, African slaving maps. There's an old map of, um, I think it's, it's Guinea in, 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 in maybe 17, 
in the 1720s, 1730s. There's this old map, and it's called a Slave Coast map. Look on that. It's the Slave Coast map of Guinea, 1736. And you look on the West Africa map of 1747, and it says right on the West Africa map of 1747, Kingdom of Judah. Right there. Right there on the map. On the 1747 Slave Coast map, Desert of Seth. Well, who was Seth? He was Adam and Eve's third son after the death of who? Abel. Desert of Seth, right there on an African slaving map. Luke chapter 3, verse 38, we're talking about the genealogy of Yahusha from the tribe of Judah. Verse 38, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of Elohim. But by 1771, the same map, the same map, the very same map, even with the same cartographer that did the map of 1747, all of a sudden... By 1771, oh, they got wise to it. And there is no kingdom of Judah no more on that map. Disappeared. Same cartographer. Same cartographer. Oh, somebody got to him, right? Why would the same cartographer remove the kingdom of Judah from the 1777 map, 1771 map, that was in the 1747 map? Why would he do that? You see, you've got to go further back because the more we go along this timeline in this day that we have, people don't understand what has gone on in the past. And we are making the very same mistakes as we come to this apocalyptic time of days that we're living in. You see, Israel is that multicolored coat. The true Jews, the Shemites, the Fehalin, the Palestinians, yes, they're lighter skinned. The true Jews, yes. The regal class, they were darker skinned, called Negro. And you can go, well, how, how come within one tribe we can have multicolored skin tones? Why do we have lighter skin that will work in the land and then we have darker Negro skinned the house of Judah? That doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. It's called migration and diet. You spend 2,000 years in the Sahara Desert with the vitamin D and the melanin and your diet... Skin color is connected to geographic location around the equator. You're going to be darker skinned. And your diet, you're going to be darker skinned. 2,000 years. That's why we have a multicolored coat of the house of Israel. It's fabulous. Melanin, change of diet, more vitamin D. Therefore, you have one tribe, many colors. No one is excluded. You have black African Jewry, you have them. They are the real Shemites, diet and environment. You see, the Jewish slave trade, its roots are in Bolshevism, and it's in effect in the USA today. It truly is. In Al-Andalus, which was Islamic Spain, that's what it was called back in the day, there was a guild of Ashkenazi Khazar slavers. They were traders in Constantinople which, of course, was the capital of the Ottoman Empire. Their guild had about 2,000 members. The slaves were provided by Tartar raids on Slavic villages. 
Until the late 18th century, the Crimean Khanate maintained a massive slave trade with the Ottoman Empire and the Middle East. They exported about 2 million slaves from Poland, Lithuania, and Russia from the period of 1500 to 1700 of the Common Era. So it's not just the regal class of the House of Judah that were enslaved, but all of those areas around what we call today the Slavic regions, they were, of course, enslaved by Islam. What's the number one slaving country today? What's the number one country that America is economically, politically in bed with? The number one slaving country in the world today, Saudi Arabia. Our whole currency is connected to a slaving country that enslaves women, children, and men from all over the world. And they say nothing. And we, they're funding our politicians. Funding our politicians. And you don't think this message is relevant? Because people just, oh, well, let's just stick to, you know, safe and secure. Meanwhile, we're all going down the, sh the street to destruction. Do you really think they care what color your skin is? They just want to enslave you all. But they don't want you to really tell the black Negro in America what tribe he's from and who truly enslaves him. Because then, guess what? Your voting base is really going to change, is it not? Oh, and we wouldn't want that now, would we? So we'll just give you your history from the 17th century forward. We won't, you know, tie it into the Ashkenazi that have totally... More blacks in America have been lost to the Luciferic Ashkenazi music industry as they promote Beyonce and, and all of this wicked, wicked. It's not regal royal class of the house of Judah. They use and they abuse to enslave people. Until the late 18th century, we see at the height of the American Civil War, who was the Union Army General? Of course, Ulysses Grant. He later became the president. And what did Ulysses Grant do? He expelled, he expelled the Ashkenazi from all of the southern states. Do you realize that? He expelled all of the Ashkenazi, they who say they are Jews and are not from the southern states. Why? Why did Ulysses Grant expel the Ashkenazi, they who say they are Jews and are not, from the southern states, the Confederacy, which were under his military control? He totally expelled them. Because the Ashkenazi Khazar Jews were engaged in so much slavery, black market smuggling and swindling activities, that it was undermining the Confederacy's confederacy's war effort that he expelled them because that's what they do and had done for hundreds of years and this is the irony of it all the irony of it all more black americans have been lost to the ashkenazi slavers their gangster rap 
Beyonce's form of Luciferianism than any other group. Than any other group. What, what an irony. More African Americans have been lost to Islam in the 20th century. What an I irony. More than any other New Testament believing community. Yet Islam is the largest slavers of people of color in the world today. What are we doing? 11.5 to 14 million blacks in America arrived here because they were enslaved by Islam and sold to the Ashkenazi ship merchants that are producing the black culture today. Music, movies, to enslave you and to enslave me. And now we come to the politics, and I can't take it. We've got what? How many more days do we have? Oh, too many. And this is the, and this is the, this is the biggest irony. And I feel like I am walking around, and I'm like, am I the only one? Because it seems real simple to me. I didn't grow up in this country. How come I know this stuff and you guys grew up here and you don't know this stuff? Or do you know this stuff and you just don't care? Because I didn't study American history. I mean, yeah, we had a spattering of it. But even I knew this. How come you don't know this? More black Americans have been lost to the Democratic Party than any other group in the 20th century. Progressive Democrats in the early 20th century are the ones that implemented sterilization of blacks. Democrats. Post-1970s, Democrats have opened the largest concentration of Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics located where? In the black communities. They're killing Negroes. Killing the regal class of the House of Judah. Republicans abolished slavery. Can we realize that? Democrats supported slavery. Republicans gave blacks the vote. Democrats tried to keep the vote from blacks. Republicans passed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Who opposed it? Democrats. The first black Republican was elected to the US Senate in 1871. But the first black Democrat was elected to the U.S. Senate in 1999. It only took the Democrats 128 years. Oh, my goodness. Am I crazy? Because I'm seeing something here. The first 22 blacks elected to the U.S. House were all Republicans. All civil rights, all civil rights legislation from 1865 to 1965 was passed over the objections of Democrats. All civil rights legislation, 
all civil rights legislation. The Democrats have stood in the way of civil rights for over a hundred years. So now you go, well, why are so many black Negro royal class of the House of Judah caught up in voting for those that would try to enslave you? Historically, we'll tell you, the Democrats have kept you in slavery because they're still enslaving you and they're still keeping you in slavery. They just rename it, remarket it, remanufacture it, but nothing is new under the sun. Democrats want to enslave you. All civil rights legislation from 1865 to 1965 was passed over the objections of Democrats. Every civil rights initiative for that 100-year period from the Civil Rights Act of 1866 to the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Civil Rights Act of 1875 was proposed and passed by Republicans. How do I know this stuff and you guys don't? A hundred years of civil rights activism by the Republicans. A hundred years of civil rights obstruction. The Democrats. I'm not telling you how to vote. <laughs> Make your own decisions, people. Dr. King was a Christian and a Republican. Malcolm X was a Republican. The Ku Klux Klan, wake up. It was formed after the Civil War as a military force serving the interests of the Democratic Party, formed to fight against Lincoln's Republican Party that had freed black slaves. And those black slaves were trying to vote. They were trying to be voted into positions of judges, trying to be voted into positions of governmental influence. And more Democrats lynched blacks between 1870 and 1900 than any other group in the whole of the history of this country. Democrats were lynching blacks. Can we be real? This really bothers me. Can you tell? Because we've got all this polit... And I'm like, but you're Democrats. And I know what you're up to. And it is sickening to me. Because we have textual, historic data that proves what you're up to. So how... Did the regal class of the house of Judah get so caught up in slavery? Because when Lyndon Johnson came to power, blacks who traditionally voted 95% Republican suddenly switched over to Democrat. That is when it happened. Why? Because now the Democrats were promising to give them free stuff. And you know, it's kind of hard to turn down free stuff, isn't it? I'll have those niggers voting Democrat for the next 200 years. 
I'll have those niggers voting Democrat for the next 200 years. Lyndon B. Johnson confiding in two governors why the passage of his civil rights and welfare legislation was important in 1963. Can you not see who's trying to enslave you? It's the difference between house slaves and field slaves. Field slaves, I mean, man, they live dreadful lives. Dreadful lives of hard outdoor labor, picking cotton, or even worse. They were always looking for the opportunity to escape those field slaves. But the house slaves, the house slaves, on the other hand, they get to wear their master's clothes. Well, yeah, I mean, they were hand-me-downs, torn and tattered. But they would receive free meals. They would have the leftover scraps from their master's table. And when the field slaves came in and they would say, let's run, let's run, let's get out of here. The house slaves would say, we'll run where? Where are we going to get anything better than this? Right? So it is with modern-day black liberal Democrats. They're house slaves. House slaves. You vote what you want. But don't vote due to propaganda, color, and ignorance of your own history and what tribe you truly belong to. The reality is blacks are being pimped like prostitutes by Democrats. Quanal X. You see, too often black believers have espoused a Christianity that ignores their blackness instead of appreciating and speaking to it from history and the scriptures. And that's the problem. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 14. Is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why was he plundered? Is Israel the servant of Yahuwah as one born in his house? Why then is he treated, treated as with one with no master to protect him? Because if you live outside your master's house, if you live outside his covenant realm, you're going to be enslaved. And that's what's happened. John chapter 8 verse 35. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son, he abides forever. We have to go to the door of Yahusha because we've got to become a bondservant, which makes you a son, because that's the change of status that entitles us to abide forever. And this is it. It's the healing hands, the healing hands that would come and take away that leprosy because that's what we see, the leprosy of racism and the leprosy of slavery. But within leprosy, you have all the pigmentations of mankind because first the leper's skin would turn yellow and red and then black and then white. And it is only Yahusha that can heal that kind of wound. And that's why I'm telling you this, because it is only Yahusha that can bring the whole house of Israel together. And he's the one that can heal that wound because he is the son of the Most High who said, 
I am Yahweh, your Elohim, and I'm the Elohim that delivers my people from slavers. Yes, some of us have less pigmentation than others, but we're all part of that multicolored coat of Israel. It's just that we've got to say, come home, regal Negro class of the house of Judah into the whole house of Israel because we can see the deception with the Ashkenazi slavers, they who say they are Jews and are not. Globalism is colonialism and slavery is still slavery and the Democrats are the biggest slavers out there and they're the ones that are pushing this globalistic agenda. It's truly, truly sickening to me to see this globalism and colonialism because that's the means of exploitation that the black man has suffered at the hands of the Democratic Party and the synagogue of Satan for over a hundred years. Your history proves it. The records show. You vote how you want to vote, but don't vote based upon propaganda. Don't vote based upon lies. And don't convert to a form of religion that has enslaved your people for hundreds of years. Islam is not the religion of the black man. Israel, Yahuwah, and the tribe of Judah is home for his people to come together as one multicolored coat. And there is no more important time to address this topic as we come up to the elections. But like I said, it's a serious topic. Questions, comments, anybody? None at all, I'm sure. We're moving on. Oh, put the, put, put them, yeah. Shabbat shalom. Hear me? Hear me? Yes, we've got you. I'm glad you talked about this subject. This is one subject that has been bothering me because I've told my wife on many occasions that I am very um, saddened with the black community because they f fell into that lie in my investigation everything you said was dead on because I've already investigated this uh, Eisenhower was the one who wrote the civil rights law in 58 but the person who blocked it was Senator Lyndon Baines Johnson and they re and that that quote that you did I heard it from the tapes that he said exactly what you said and the reason why he signed it was because of that comment that you that you quoted and, and now we're, we're seeing the recipients of that right now. Yes, exactly. and, I'm, and I'm trying to tell other black folks and say, look, look, uh, from gun rights to civil rights, they're, they're lying to you. Just, just come out of the Kool-Aid, as I always Some say. Some of the bravest black men and black women that were killed in the 19th century were killed at the hands of the Democratic Party as they were trying to come to the voting stations and vote Republican by the Ku Klux Klan. Black judges that could have changed. Black politicians that could have changed. 
And that is a terrible wound that only Yahushua can heal. But you're never going to get healing if you stay in slavery. You've got to come out of Mitzrayim. We've got to come out and recognize that we are a people that is free. Another little bit of irony. One of the uh, people that Hillary Clinton says was her mentors was Senator Byrd. Mr. Senator Byrd was a member of the Ku Klux Klan, along with Wallace and some of the others that she integrated with. So that's, we look at Hillary, and obviously she's not what she said she was. And by the way, I like to get into arguments with people, as my wife will tell you, because we go to garage sales. And this stuff is really dear to me. History is so important. Oh, it's so important. Because if people don't understand history, it's going to repeat, oh. repeat. That's why those shadow pictures in Scripture are so important. So I can go into the American Indians, too, but that's another story. Okay. So our Internet audience um, had quite a conversation, and they appreciate your honesty and your straightforwardness. Um, Mario asked this question, who were the Jews in Yahushua's time when he said, you are not of the seed of Abraham, but of the devil? Who were the, who were the Jews in Yahushua's time when he said, you are not of the seed of Abraham, but of the devil? Good question. Good question. <laughs> Anybody have an answer for me on that one? <laughs> Pharisees and Sadducees. I mean, you've basically, from the beginning, we've always had this imposter class, those that say that they are Jews and are not. And it's, there's nothing new under the sun. And that's why we have to understand this distinction between the true called out ones and then those that would try and come into the tents of Shem and enslave. And I believe, you know, yes, we have the names changed, but we're dealing with the same spiritual root problem is that people are enslaved and that Yahweh has come to deliver us from slavery. But you've got to go back further than the 17th century in your history books and we've got to dig deeper than the surface of Ruddy and then saying, oh, we had, he was, he was a, an Anglo-Saxon with ruddy skin. We've got to dig deeper than this to really come to the truth of what the scriptures say and tie that in with historical truth. So the U European Jews, are they not Jews according to this perspective? Ashkenazi are sons of Goma. They are not Yahudim. No, they're Japhethites. They're not Shemites. And even the Jewish Encyclopedia will tell you that. They are Turkic Mongols from the Khazarian regions, Caucasians, Asians from the Caucasus Mountains, the Russian steppes. I mean, history tells you that. Yes. Was skin color possibly decided directly or indirectly from the separation at Babel? I don't know. As far as I can see, skin color is decided upon migration, uh, um, where you live, pigmentation, um, and diet. 
2,000 okay. years down by the equator is going to make some differences. Was Yahusha black? Was Yahusha black? That's a great question. But we can look and see what we've discovered today with Melek Shlomo and Melek Dawid, and then you can draw your own conclusions from that. But he definitely wasn't looking like Barry Gibb. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that answers this other one, because the other one says, um, from Adam, how was skin color initiated? And you just said it was based on migration and, and geography and, and some other uh, diet as well. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I think the last question. Let me see if they just said in the back others. here on the uh, uh, yeah. Once you're finished, yeah. Perfect. Not many questions at all. Easy. Haven't got to you yet. Uh, yes. Yeah, so one of the first make a distinction between Sephardic and Ashkenazi. Jews in the scriptures? Well, Ashkenaz has always been a son of Gomer, a son, a son of Japheth, and then Sephardim, Sephard, ah, I'm not sure where that scripture is, but we can dig that one out. There is a, um, something about the Sephardim, Sephardim, yeah. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Yes. Um, there, there is one thing, and this, I wanted a conversation with you sometime, but that dispersion that uh, went west, um, there were those 10 tribes, they say, that were lost, that were never lost. Correct. Uh, they went up and actually formed a couple of empires, the Sake, mm -hmm. uh, which is Sak. And there were the Parthians, which moved west. And if you look at a lot of the rivers around Europe, Germany especially, and France, those are Hebrew names. Yeah. And Brit. Britam, sons of the covenant. Right. So yeah, and that's it, and that's what we're seeing. But we, we, we as Israel, exiled the exiled ten northern tribes that were dispersed by the Assyrians. We are coming to our identity and have been for the past thirty years. But the problem is, nobody claimed our identity. Nobody stole it. We were the lost. 10 tribes of Israel, but somebody stole the identity of the Negro African house of Judah. They call you African Americans, but you're not. And the imposters are the Ashkenazi that stole your heritage and enslaved you on slave ships. So that's why we're exposing it, because the whole house of Israel is coming back. Yes, the ten northern tribes, we've found our identity. I'm not a Caucasian. I'm a son of Isaac. Yes, but what about my black brother from the house of Judah? He's not an African-American any more than I'm a Caucasian. That's what we're doing because those have usurped, which are, of course, the Ashkenazi sons of Gomer. And that's what the scripture we read to you in Bereshit. Where was that scripture? That really was succinct. Bereshit 9.27. Elohim will entice and deceive Patar Japheth. They're deceived. The Ashkenazi are deceived. They're dwelling in the house, in the tents of the real Shemites, the regal Negro class of Judah that migrated down into Western Africa. So there you have it.
What a phenomenal study for us to look into. And a no more important time as we come into this political hoopla of a dog and pony show. Does it, uh, and does it, I don't want to oversimplify this, but since we are all part of that uh, multicolored coat of, uh, of Joseph, uh, and our gatekeeper is our Messiah, Yusha. Once we are in Messiah, we are a new creature. There mm -hmm. is no Jew. There is no Gentile. So, but I can see why we need to unwind the history because there are so many people that are deceived and thinking, well, oh, I'm going to head over there to this Temple Mount uh, fortress. That uh, There's a deception that's going on, so it's neat, it's neat to unwind it. But uh, it can be oversimplified to the point where we almost lose sight of, I mean, it can become a race war uh, if we're not careful, can it? Well, no, well, that's the problem. This, this teaching really, what you're seeing is the Democratic Party in America is the one that's instigating race and using race as, as, a, as a tool. Um, that's why you have all this racial tension. But when you expose who the slavers are, right, the Democratic Party, when you expose that you're not African-American who you truly, truly are, that gets rid of your Islamic conversion rate right there. Why would you want to convert to a religion that enslaved you? And then you graft in and join back who you truly are, your royalty, a regal class of nomadic Negro. Come back into the house of Israel, and now you understand that Joseph, the Melchizedek, brings his people together, that Yahusha, he didn't go around healing leprosy for just because, you know, I believe because it is, tells you the whole history of he can bring all of the pigmentations into one cloak and we work together. And that's exactly what the slavers don't want. They don't want, they want to keep us divided. Elohim is the one that deliver us, delivers us from slavery and he brings all of the pigmentation colors together as Israel. But you've got to identify who, who it is that's truly enslaving you and the imposters, those who say they are Jews and are not, that have stolen your identity and say, oh, you're African-American. It's outrageous. Oh, you're Caucasians. Check that box and get your free meal and your Obamacare. No, I'm not going to check that box because I'm an Anglo-Saxon and there's not an Anglo-Saxon box and there isn't a regal Negro from the house of Judah box, right? Why? There should be. Amen. Abba, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for Shabbat. And we thank you for your people. In the mighty name of Yahushua, Abba, let your word go forth to the nations, Abba, to rebuild the whole house of Israel. Amen. Amen.